you damn right. Hope everybody's having a good Wednesday. First hump day of 2023. Are you used to writing it yet? It's harder nowadays because you don't actually write checks anymore. So you don't have a chance. That used to be the first time you'd write it. I do put the year down every single day when we're getting ready for the show, so I get good practice. But for those of you still trying to get there, best of luck on January the 4th. It is Chad and Zay on this January 4th. I'm Chad Hastings, joined once again by Isaiah Collier. He was calling some high school basketball last night. We're going to get into that and a whole lot more, including Longhorn basketball. What's up, Zay? Chad, what's good, man? To make you feel old, never written a check before in my life. Wow, that's a good one. That <laughs> is a good one. Never written a check in your life? Nope. Whoo! I definitely can't remember the last one I wrote. It's been a while, man, when all that electronic stuff came about. Then then when us old people found out what auto pay was, auto what? What does that mean? Or Chad, the same day every month. They'll just take it out of your account. <laughs> What do you mean they? <laughs> Who's they? Well, they'll come get it. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we do that. Um, we are always in a good mood to do the show. We always enjoy doing the show. Yesterday did have some heaviness to it with the death of Coach Gus. We certainly continue to send our best wishes and thoughts out to the Gustafson family and the Longhorn baseball family. Also, yesterday we were talking about DeMar Hamlin, the young man from the Buffalo Bills, fighting for his life in Cincinnati. We have some good news, some positive news in that story uh, to start the show today, and then we will talk about what happened to Texas basketball last night. So let's get the spec set piece out there, uh, and we will start with the Hamlin update. The spec set piece is brought to you by Specs Wine, Spirits, and Finer Foods. When it's time to kick off the Austin FC match, say big at Specs, official partner of Austin FC. I think the main thing with stories like this, it's... You know, in our position, we certainly don't want to be rushing to break a story, rushing to speculate on anything, just trying to report what is out there. But this is a story that's captivated the country and the world, um, you know, social media wise and, and many other ways. But according to a story today, and I'm reading this from ESPN, says doctors saw promising signs of progress overnight from DeMar Hamlin. This is ultimately coming from a friend and business partner of Hamlin. Uh, Jordan Rooney is uh, his or her name, told ESPN's uh, Coley Harvey that Hamlin is still in intensive care. And also that is still he's still sedated, but doctors saw promising readings overnight from him that they had hoped to see by Wednesday morning. So that could be good news, Zay, on some level. I read a little bit yesterday that some oxygen levels had gone up for for Hamlin. Right now, it could very well be you know little steps baby baby steps that they're looking for, but uh, at least we're not hearing about. Stories going the other way, stories that are discouraging to them, but apparently encouraging enough to the doctors to tell the family and friends and coworkers, and then they feel confident enough 
to let the media know. So maybe good news. Yeah, yeah. Any good news is great news right now. Just got to keep praying and wishing the best for Hamlin and his family and the whole Buffalo Bills organization. I know, you know, it's very hard to focus on the Patriots right now who they have to play on Sunday mm-hmm. when you have your brother in the hospital still fighting for his life. But, yeah, that, that is good news. And I know the whole nation, NFL, needs that right now. It says they're going to have meetings and a walkthrough today, but they do not have any media availability. I would hope the NFL has decided that the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals don't have to do media the rest of the year if they don't want to. That would have been my, I would have laid that out Monday night or Tuesday. If they want to talk to you, that's different. I've seen one of his teammates on SportsCenter already. If, they, if, if you get a request and want to say yes, that's up to you. If I'm the NFL, though, specifically Buffalo, I would shut it all down. And right. say, you guys you did no media. No, McDermott, Josh Allen, nobody. Yeah. Especially the defensive backs that may be very, very close to him. Anybody that's really close to him on the team, you don't really know who that person necessarily is. I'd shut it all down and try yeah. to be respectful. I agree, but we know the NFL. I could see them not doing that. And if so, you don't have to answer those questions. Like anything about right. Hamlin, you can respectfully tell the media, hey, guys, i just here to answer football questions, football questions only. If it's not about the X's and O's or what's going on within the game, then I'm not going to answer it. And yeah, move on from there. Yeah. So. It's it's something that we've never seen before, Chad, in all of sports. And the fact that it's happening in the most famous slash, you know, best sport in America, in the world, is all eyes are on the NFL right now and what they're going to do. And, yeah, I, I know there's more going on with the NFL, but right now all the Bills and Hamlin's family is focused on is – Hamlin, that's it. Yeah, and uh, obviously, yeah, that's the the biggest focus in this story, and we'll continue to be, uh, you know, as as we get all that news in, outside of that part of it, outside of the city of Cincinnati specifically, the NFL does have some questions to answer and things to figure out as the week goes on. Yesterday they said that game's not going to happen this week. Okay, but they didn't put it away yet. That game is still kind of hanging out there. Uh, And in looking at the standings last night and this morning, you can do the same thing. Ask yourself, what would you do if you're the NFL? How would you do this if you're scheduling things? Uh, I I can't find a combination of wins and losses where you could say, ah, there's no reason to play that game. I really can't find it. Because I forgot, Zay, about the AFC North. That division hasn't been figured out yet. Baltimore is part of this, too. I was only thinking of those other three teams. Right. Technically, they're involved. So I was trying to come up with, like, if Kansas City wins and, and Buffalo and Cincinnati both lost, then technically you'd have no reason to play it in terms of that one seed. It's, it belongs to Kansas City at that point. But any other combination, there's some questions to answer or to try to ask. It's going to be tough. Um, by the way, real quick, just because it did bring a smile to my face, uh, one of my good friends – um, I was talking about my buddy Rick Sacamano. His wife, their whole family's into fantasy football big time these last few years. They have two sons. Everybody's playing. So she's locked in, and she's a Dolphins fan, and she's always texting ah, me about brutal. games. Oh, yeah, she's been through an interesting time. Yeah, five straight losses? But she, Talk about interesting. She texted me yesterday. She goes, here's an idea. What if the teams pick their best uh, gamer and they play Madden for it? And I thought... <laughs> Well, there will be dumber things suggested, but I don't. And, and, the, and the the sick part was a. I thought, well, 
everybody would have to agree to that. And then B, I asked myself, Chad, would you watch that if they put it on television? Would you watch that? And then I thought, yeah, I might. I might. You might watch some Madden. I might. If it me- if it means that, if it's literally going to count as an NFL win and loss, yeah, I might have to watch. I don't think that's how they'll do it, but I've suggested a coin flip. So the Madden idea is way better than that. Yo, Madden tournaments have been as classic as I don't know what. I know people play their Call of Duty and you know their 2K and their Fortnite and whatnot, but man, there used to be an ESPN show on guys playing Madden for like a million dollars and going through tournaments and stuff like that. So it gets serious. Yeah. I haven't played Madden in a minute and got a little too advanced for your boy, but yeah, it, it gets serious. You'd have to get all you'd have to get all those coaches and players to agree too, including Andy Reid and the Baltimore folks. Like, wait, wait, wait. We're going to let a video game figure this out. But hey, they've got to they they need to ask a lot of questions right now because they don't have long to figure it out. Yeah. They got to get it going. Yeah, yeah, Baltimore, you mentioned them and having a shot at winning the AFC North. They're one of the most interesting teams in the NFL because without Lamar Jackson, we really don't know what they really are. Like, you don't believe in them, but they've still had some pretty good wins with Hundley, you know, running QB in. He's kind of like a real light zero calories Lamar Jackson, the way Hardball tries to <laughs> use him. But, yeah, even though they lost to a big-time win for uh, Pittsburgh this week, I know your wife was very happy with that. Oh, Kenny Pickett, yeah, good game. Yeah, Mike Tomlin looking at Kenny Pickett in his face saying, Kenny effing Pickett. Like, I, that got me hyped. But, yep. yeah, the, the Baltimore Ravens, they're just an interesting team. I don't trust them to go out of the first round, especially with Lamar Jackson. You can't think he will be healthy coming back. People don't even know if he will be able to come back because they play next week. That's when the wild card starts. So yep. that's where it's supposed to now. start. That's where it's supposed to right. start. Exactly. We don't know what's going to happen with the Bengals Bills situation. But yeah, it, NFL, it's always interesting this time of the year. I had forgotten that Baltimore beat Cincinnati the first time they played. Uh, that was in Baltimore, 1917. They also won in Tampa this year. If you need, uh, if you need the Ravens at all, one at and of course they won at Pittsburgh uh, before dropping the game uh, at home. So Baltimore still involved there. So there's still questions to ask and answer on the NFL side of things. Obviously, we will keep you updated on all of that. Uh, and again, of course, that first focus is on Hamlin himself. But then after you know, outside of that discussion, the NFL is going to have to figure some things out as the week goes on. Speaking of the NFL, we'll do one more fantasy football discussion coming up at 1230 with J.D. Lewis, uh, who's joined us throughout the season. And one of the things that, you know, fantasy folks were asking at the end of Monday night was, what what do we do with this? If you didn't have any Bills or Bengals, you're not worried about it. But I'm assuming, Zay, there were a lot. It was the only winning, winning matchup of the week. And I'm assuming there's a lot of fantasy football, maybe championships that are literally hanging in the balance of a performance by Allen or Burrow or Stephon Diggs, Higgins or Diggs or whoever. Jamar Chase, right? Like it's, <laughs> the list goes on. And yeah, it's, even though you don't want to think about those things, those are real things that are happening. So it'll be nice to talk to JD and get his perspective on it. Yep. Uh, somebody's uh, texting, call it a tie and move forward. Is that a fair way to do it? Kansas City would benefit from that. Baltimore, in a way, would benefit from that. You're not going to give them losses, but could you give them both wins or ties? How is that going to work? They've got to figure it out. I also heard someone just say, maybe just go with the math. 
just for whatever the math is, whatever your record is, go on percentages and go three, four decimals if you need to, and whoever's got the higher one, they go. I mean, you yeah. Might, you might have to do that. And yeah, that, I said it yesterday. They might have to really crunch some numbers. Right. Yeah, you, you threw that out yesterday. I don't know that that's – there's not going to be a uh, – Rod Babers likes to talk about the movie Argo and the best worst idea, and sometimes you have to end up with that. Um, that and was this, Ben Affleck? That was Ben Affleck. Good movie, by the way. How's the accent in that? Because you know when Ben, he gets back up in that New England area, his accent starts to get a little thick. I thought it was fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought he was good. I thought he was good. All right. Uh, that movie definitely, uh, not in New England, but I, no, I thought he was. I thought he stayed away from the Boston stuff pretty good there. I can't remember if his character was supposed to be from Boston or not. Okay. Um, but that is dealing with the, uh, the <laughs> <laughs> an event that occurred far from, uh, from Boston, as I recall. Uh, so you got all that going on in the NFL. We'll continue to follow that story. Also, we, uh, we need to get into Longhorn basketball. Wow. Go to a Big 12 basketball game and an NBA game breaks out. Texas and Kansas State set records you don't want to have set necessarily. Our man Chris Bennett says the Texas defense last night was as horrendous as the K-State uniforms were. Oh, CB, I like those. See, I I don't know. Zach. I like those. I can't. What color is that? Like powder purple? When the When an announcer uses the word lavender to describe a uniform <laughs> and I can't argue with him or her I think I think you might have overthought your uniforms I thought that was a little silly. I don't know. Maybe it was just the swagger and the way them brothers were hooping on our horns last night cuz everything looked good to me. Like it was that was a brutal game. It, UT. it really was. Uh, the uh, I'll start with the basics for Kansas State because they just lit it up on all levels. 60% from the floor, 54% from beyond the arc, and they go 31 of 33 from the line. It started quickly, Zay. It was 12-3 before most fans had a chance to get a drink and sit down, and then it just got worse and worse. Texas did make a couple runs. There were a couple runs here and there where you thought, well, maybe, maybe fight it all the way back to, what, seven, I think, at one point? Yeah, Serge Jabari Rice had an and-one finish and cut it down to seven with about seven minutes left. Yeah, but ultimately that is, for a team that is supposed to be able to lean on their defense above all else, that is a rough home conference game. Yeah, it's brutal, and that's what we talked about last week. Now people are going to be asking questions about, okay, if they had Chris Beard, would this have happened? Because we know Chris Beard teams, they've never given up this much. So the, Coach Terry and those guys, they got to go back to the drawing board for real. I, I mean, like, if you hoop, you know what the zigzag drill is. That might be one of the most basic defensive drills you could possibly do. Four-on-four four shell, two-on-two two shell, three-on-three, three, like one-on-one one drills, throwing the ball under the rim diving on it like this is stuff that you do in the offseason type of stuff because you should not be giving up 116 to anybody in college basketball this ain't the NBA where you have defensive three seconds so you can't help in certain ways and you know the shot clock's 24 seconds so you get more attempts like this is college basketball so the fact that which they were hooping last night I'm gonna give Kansas State credit they were flat out hooping but Mm -hmm. still like you said, Chad, Texas, they hang their hat on their defense. They're supposed to. And, yeah, it was just way too easy last night, to say the least. 
So some records that you don't want to hear about, but it did happen. They set a record for most points combined in a regulation Big 12 conference game uh, back in 02. Texas beat Colorado, interestingly enough, Texas again, 104-95. So they scored 20 more than that overall. Um, And then it was the third most ever scored in the conference. The only two others that had scored more points total went four and five overtimes respectively. Yeah. That's how many points we're talking about here. Um, And then... (laughs) It says also the most points an unranked team has scored over a top 10 opponent since, interesting that we just kind of referenced this group, Loyola Marymount lost to number 10 LSU 122-114 back in 1990. That's Hank Gathers' era. Wow. Loyola Marymount. That's how long it's been. Yeah, committee, we need to uh, put these guys in the standings and make these guys rank because they put everybody on notice last night. The Wildcats put everybody on notice. Jerome Lang, assistant coach for uh, Scott Drew for a lot of years at Baylor. I remember when Jerome Lang was recruiting my guy, Jeremy Green, back in my Bowie day. Jeremy Green was one of the top players in the nation. Ended up going to Stanford, but hey, Baylor was a close second, and a lot of that was because of Jerome Lang, a guy who could have taken the head coaching job earlier in you know that Scott Drew tenure. With Scott Drew, it seems like he's been in Waco forever, but went on to Kansas. Kansas State. He took Yurik Malagy with him, which that was he was on Chris Beard's staff last year. And Coach Malagy, he was the scouting report for this game. So you th- you don't think he knows Timmy Allen's defensive tendencies, Marcus Carr's defensive tendencies, Brock Cunningham, all those guys mm. that he saw day in and day out through the grind last year uh, on that 2022 team. Uh, yeah, so all those things to consider, but the way that. You know, Marquise Howe was hooping last night. Come on, man. Like, it seemed like he walked into the Moody Center, stepped in center court, looked around, and said, you know what? This feels like home. This feels like playing outside all those days because he's from Harlem, New York, in Rucker Park somewhere or the cage, something nuts like that because he put 36 on the horns last night. Keontae Johnson. NBA body, NBA game. We now, talked NBA, about him yesterday. They're gonna yeah. be, NBA scouts are going to be afraid of taking him just because of his medical history. But, man, the moves that he was making last night, like Dylan Mitchell, which I'm nervous about Dylan Mitchell right now because he's degressing. Like, that should have been a game that he really stepped up in with the athleticism that Kansas State were showing. Dylan Mitchell, you got to be a way better defender than how you looked last night. It reminds me of... Kendall Brown, I don't know if you remember Kendall Brown last year on Baylor's team, came in as a freshman, big time Mm. McDonald's All-American, a lot like Dylan Mitchell, was really high on mock drafts, like a lottery pick, and then as the season went on, he started to get exposed at Baylor defensively just for, you know, being young, not knowing the game, not being in the right spot, and then he became a second-round pick way up there. Now he's in the G League, so that's kind of the route Dylan Mitchell's taking right now. He had a couple of buckets, he had a nice tip duck and all, but he has to clean up his defense. Everybody does, you know, just giving up 116. Some of the moves that they were putting on, having Timmy Allen on the island, Noel would just go right by him, scooping it up, you know, right hand layup off the right leg. That's nasty. That's very skilled stuff that they were throwing at the Horns last night, but, you know, positives that you got to take away, the Horns put up 103. You know, I talked about Tyrese Hunter yesterday in the right call segment brought to you by Syntex Tickets. 
I said that he needs to step up his offensive play because they're going to need him down the line. Well, hey, he did that last night and gave yeah. the horns uh, 29, 29. Yeah, but it came at the expense of you know that loss. So they they got to get back to the drawing board. It's very troubling to see that team give up that much, breaking records in the wrong ways. You do not want to see that. And you know this is a copycat league. This is the best league in all the college basketball. Every single team, all the nine other teams, the eight other teams that haven't played Texas yet, or should I say seven, because Oklahoma did, they're going to look at this and say, you know what, this is where we beat the horns. They're undisciplined at times, and they're not – they overplay, Chad. What I mean by that, they, when they're on the help side defense, one pass away, so the guy will have the ball at the top of the key, for example, and, and then the guy will be on the wing. They will overpressure the wing, and then – they won't though since they'll be overpressuring when guys drive they'll be out of position to really help and they gave up so many and ones last night so many just easy dunks and easy layups because they're pressuring up with the wings but also getting blown by off the dribble you can't do both you can't you can't like you can't give up both if you're going to give up the dribble drive you got to have great help d or if you're going to play that pressure, you got to have great on-ball defense and then not, not allow any penetration. The Horns didn't. All of that last night, which that's resulted in 116. Yeah, it's tough. If I tell you at the beginning of the game, 29 for Hunter, 27 for Carr, and Texas scores 103, you got to think those are really good pieces of news. I love that. you got to think at that point, well, wait a minute, where's the betting window? Hey, I've got a little money. I'll go lay it on the Longhorns. If I tell you those three things and they lost – I guess the first question out of your mouth would be, how god awful was the defense on the other side? That's what we saw last night. It just it was you have to play bad defense if you're going to do all that and still lose at home. So in a way, Zay, I'm not saying it totally negates what they did in Norman, but we know how much it, how important it is to defend your home court. So you got a nice big road win, felt good, but now you balanced it out with a home loss. So in a way, now you're just you're, now you're back to where you're supposed to be at one and one. Yeah, yeah, and now you're going into Stillwater and you're going to play against maybe not as good as Kansas State, but it's the Big 12. They're still really good. And, yeah, I I just – unacceptable the points that they gave up last night. But if you look at any bright spots, Tyrese Hunter, Marcus Carr, Serge Barry Rice, those guys played really well. But now, you know, on the other side, the bigs for the Horns, Christian Bishop, he went out early with that tailbone injury where he tried to put somebody in the hoop and tried to dunk them. That didn't work out. And Rodney Terry, it was funny because he came to the sideline and Coach Terry kind of slapped him on the butt just like, oh, okay, you'll bounce back. It's like, oh, probably not the right time coach just because you know that's where he just got hurt at but you know I was talking about last week Chad we need coach Terry to get back to that raspy voice I need raspy Uh, voice coach Terry we need to start yeah hey hey guys you know let's go let's get it what what we doing I I need that voice to get real raspy because that means he's yelling that means he's getting after these guys Yes, you know, I'm listening to them Craig Ray report. Sound too clean for me, coach. You need a little more. I need a little bit more. A little more Gary P. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit more. I need that rasp back because what we saw last night, that ain't going to cut it. A little bit of Buzz Williams. You need a little bit of yeah, that. Yeah, and they, said, yo, and they said the Moody Center would be way better for shooters than the Irwin Center. Like the depth perception for shooters is going to be on point. Now, I ain't thinking it's going to be like this. 
I didn't think it was going to be like for the opposing shooters. And it was hard for the crowd to get into it because every time Texas got close, whether, you know, they got in single digits, nine-point game, they hit a three, Tyrese Hunter come back and hit a three, make it nine. Noel would come down and hit a huge three. Yep. Johnson would get Dylan Mitchell on the island, reverse layup with the right hand. They were doing some nasty stuff last night. And shout out to Coach Jerome Lang, man. He did a really good job of going to the transfer portal, recruiting guys. They got three guys from Harlem, New York. Three. Yeah. You're telling me that don't mean that all those guys grow up playing outside. That's just a different toughness that, you know, some guys just aren't used to seeing. And that's what I saw last night at the Moody Center. Absolutely. It's uh, it's Coach Tang, right? Isn't that the name? Is T- Tang? T-A-N-G, right? Yeah. Jerome Tang? Yeah. What I call him? You, I think you called him Lang. Oh, Tang. Yeah. My bad. Um, I had, and I had forgotten about his story in terms of being that that long with Baylor and coming through and everything. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's – uh. That was a heck of a team last night that Texas ran into. Let us know what you thought of it. Specs text line 337-3776. More of the football talk coming up in the crap bag. I'll get you a little bit of football math that confused me during bowl games. Up next, though, let's talk some fantasy football with J.D. Lewis. How many championships did he win? How many leagues are still waiting to see what the NFL is going to ultimately do with that Bills and Bengals game? We'll, uh, we'll get J.D.'s perspective on that as the NFL tries to ask and answer those type of questions as we hit the middle of the week. Stay with us. This is The Horn. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are getting started on a Wednesday. We're going to change this up just a little bit. Zay, keep it going as we go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline and bring in J.D. Lewis. J.D. Lewis, can you identify the band? Absolutely not. Wow. Come on, you, you you have set me up for failure. We've done this enough times, Chad. You you know you, you know the you know my genre. Anything kind of pre nineties, I'm not. I'm out. What if I tell you the song is called "Talk Dirty to Me"? I know the song, and the lead, I know the song. I've heard the song a times. And the lead singer's name is Brett Michaels, the goat. <laughs> what is what is that? Uh, uh, police. Oh, he got the right first letter. That is poison, my friend. That is poison. Poison, man. And and the best part of it is, if we have true music snobs listening right now, JD just got points for not knowing that. He just got credit for not knowing that one. Because some music snobs would tell you that you don't need to know poison. I just wanted to see if you knew that one. So, so I'm sorry to put you on the spot. That's good. It's okay. I love it. It feels just like old times. Yes, exactly. JD, you telling me you weren't watching Rock of Love with Brett Michaels during that Flavor Flay, Flavor of Love era? 
No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, JD was watching basketball and getting his fantasy football teams together. Yeah, he was together. too busy getting up a thousand shots a day. That's what he was doing. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, JD. No TVs in the gym. Go ahead. Using the gym? Is that what it no was? No TVs in the gym. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's right. No, no reality TV allowed in the gym when you're working out. All right. So, uh, JD, we wanted to talk to you just to kind of, you know, put a uh, a close on the fantasy football season. But now, uh, and I hadn't even thought of it. But as Monday is going on, um, you know, Monday night, obviously the the focus is on Demar Hamlin and his health and and his battle uh, to to stay alive right now. And we are seeing a little bit of good news coming out of Cincinnati, but then some of those questions start to happen of, okay, if the NFL does this, which is what they should have done, now what? And then at some point late that night, I saw either on social media or somebody texted me, hey, what happens to fantasy football? So give me your perspective. You have multiple leagues going on. How did it affect you, if at all? Man, this is a really long answer because there's really no right answer. Um, the main, the, Let me just start with the fact that the, the league has announced that the game will not be played in week 17. And so if it gets played in week 19, you can't just, in my opinion, still play out the games because it's a completely different circumstance now in two weeks than this week. And, I mean, what if Jamar Chase doesn't play? What if T. Higgins doesn't play? What if Burrow, like all of those players, what if Allen, what if, what if the Bills have the number one seed locked up so they don't they rest their starters? They don't want to get them injured. Like, there's no guarantee that that will happen. You can't drag this out two weeks or whatever and just wait and see. Like, if once the Week 18 games start, then I think Week 17 and the championship has to be dealt with. And there's so many different ways you can do it. At the end of the day, really, you have to get with your league, discuss with your the team you're going against, figure out a split of the pot, because that's the biggest thing is these money leagues. You have to figure out how to how to make this happen. And the commissioner, if you force him to, is going to have to make a ruling. And it's much better if you guys can come to an agreement as two owners and be reasonable. And in one league that I commission, I've got a guy who's down 50 points but has Jamar Chase and, and the other guy has T. Higgins. And Jamar Chase has scored 65 points before. He did it in Week 17 last year. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, but it's very unlikely. And so – What's fair to, to split a pot when, it, when it's that way? Well, owners, y'all figure it out. If you can't come to an agreement, then, then I'll have to figure it out on my own. And at that point, I start thinking it's some kind of a 70-30-80-20 split given the likelihood of the situation. If it's close at all, the, the best thing to do, there is a kid with his life on the line right now, like understand the gravity of the situation and, and be a human being you're not talking about that much money, really. Like, it's not life-changing money. It's the difference in getting a steak or, you know, getting the lobster. Like, come on. It's good stuff. <laughs> right. So, split the point 50-50. Like, just yeah. do it. Don't be, don't be cheap. Don't go 55-45. Don't negotiate that. If it's close, 50-50, period. And there are further ramifications in other leagues that where you finish determines where you are last year so that you have to come up with some kind of tiebreaker. Or some people are just saying – it ended as it ended, and you treat it like all those guys pretty much got hurt, and you apply the score uh, there. Or they're saying you apply the projections they were going to get, and that's the outcome. And that's two, that could be two very different outcomes, and I'm experiencing that in multiple leagues. 
Hmm. JD, you talk about your experience and all these crazy things happening in these leagues, and you said you being the commissioner in one, you having to make a decision. Can you talk about in these other leagues what decisions some of these commissioners slash leagues as a whole are making and what you agree with and what you might not agree with? Yeah, so some of them are saying let's just – have these players um, and they apply whatever their week 18 score is, that's what gets applied. And you can do that, but don't do that for money. If you need a champion, do it. Do You can do that. That's one option. Um, but at the end of the day, I would still split the pot. I wouldn't be playing for first and second with week 18. Because again, those two teams were playing each other. It could have been a shootout, but if it was a shootout, they were all going to be scoring points for the most part. Now it's a completely different set of circumstances where the Bengals are playing the Ravens and, and the Bills. I don't even know right now who the Bills are playing because I don't know if Patriots. they even, like it's Bill for sure play or not. Yeah, I mean, but we don't even know if they will for sure play. So, like, yeah, but it's a totally different set of circumstances. So that's an option you could do. You can apply the the projections as they were. You can do that. You can also say, and I think this one's really hard to do unless you already had a rule in place. But I think it's a good precedent going forward. Is you can say, okay, well then a bench player can be subbed into that spot now. But then, in reality, in one of my leagues, I had Mike Evans on the bench, guys. And if, mm. I, if you can let me sub in a 52-point game, it throws everything off. And that's not the right answer either. So, it, you know, you can set that as a precedent going forward. I don't think you can apply that right now. Um, one of the things I've heard that I really like, if it's a close matchup that really, you know, you're up by 10, but you're projected to lose by four, it's really a 50-50 toss-up. You can figure out tiebreakers. And I love a head-to-head you know, uh, DraftKings head-to-head just week 18 slate where everybody has, you know, they know, hey, this guy might play a quarter or two and then be benched. So everybody's got the same problems to deal with, but you can pick from everybody in the league with a salary and do a a DraftKings head-to-head slate for week 18 if you have to determine a champion. That's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of angles there, and that wow. and that of course is the fantasy world. Answer trying to figure out all that stuff. Imagine what they're thinking right now in New York in the NFL offices, where they're trying to figure out what do we do with this actual game. JD, somebody uh, I saw an idea last night of uh, let's have a Madden game where maybe they have you know <laughs> video game representatives or whatever. At some point in the next couple days, the NFL is going to need to figure this out, as you pointed out. They said it's not happening this week, but they have not completely gotten rid of the idea of having the Bills play the Bengals. I just wonder how long they're going to extend before they make a decision on that. You know, I really think that they don't, from a PR perspective, they, they're not going to put anything out until there continues to be more positive news. And thank goodness that yeah. there has been positive news with Hamlin so far, with the fact that hes they're only having to give him 50% oxygen, so he's partially breathing on his own. But we still don't know. I mean, could there be brain damage? I mean, look, there's a lot of things we don't know that, right. that could affect all of these things and these players and their willingness to go out and play, uh, you know, and so – they're going to wait until there's more information because as long as they can anyways, they're going to have to make – I really think they're going to have to make an announcement by Friday or at least early Saturday. I mean, because it's going to affect the games that start Saturday at 3.30. And, and so you have to know. Now, you don't have to say whether the, the game's on or off for some kind of makeup they could figure out. I mean, I think they're required to have at least four days in between, but you don't want that – short of a rest period for anybody going into the playoffs you could have injuries it's it's a huge huge disadvantage I like the idea that I've heard that you don't apply a tie you don't apply a win or a loss the game truly just is taken out now they're looking at 
placements based on percentages. Yeah. And if it so happens that the Bills get the first seed and the Chiefs have the second seed because of that winning percentage and it with a one game less on their slate, um, then your your AFC championship would be played at a neutral site. The Bills would not get home field advantage. Neither would the Chiefs. Um, mm. I think that that's a re- very realistic way that they that they could handle this if they don't resume the game. And, I, and the more and people are saying they have to resume the game, and I'm just of the mindset that I don't think they do. I, I think they can just call it. And and they have one less game on their record this year. Yeah, no, that's one way to do it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. All right, JD, I got a question for you. Bijan Robinson declared for the draft a few weeks ago, and the Doak Walker Award winner should be the first running back taken in this year's draft. And I know, you know, depending on where he goes or which team he goes to, is you know huge on how productive he is. But how big do you think he's going to be in fantasy this year, upcoming season, twenty twenty three? Massive. I mean, and, you know, as a rookie, you always have to temper expectations that he's special, man. And so I think he, again, you're right, destination will determine some things. I mean, it'll determine is he a week one full-blown starter or is he drafted into a place where there are other, you know, what if he slips and the Dallas Cowboys take him? Uh, You know, Zeke can be cut for very little dead money. Tony Pollard's a free agent. They could bring in Bijan on a rookie contract. It, you know, it's somehow he slips as we've seen running back slip in the first round from time to time. I don't think he will. I think I've got a bet with some friends that he'll go in the top 15. Um, but he, but we've seen it last week, last year, Brees Hall didn't go until the second round. So, I mean, their generational talent like Bijan typically will go earlier and there are some smash spots for him that will determine from a redraft perspective, how early of a draft pick you want to invest in him. I see him very similar to Saquon Barkley when he came in and he was a, back end of the first round draft pick as a rookie but he was also in a spot where he was coming into all the carries and so if that happens yes now he could slip a little later but now if you start looking at it from dynasty though i mean you do a rookie draft uh Bijan robinson is hands down the 1.01 pick he, he's special and anybody that has 101 that's that's where they're going whether it's a super flex league meaning you get another quarterback so it values those quarterbacks even more he's still ahead of them so yeah Bijan's amazing he's generational and and the the location that he goes to will just determine how impactful he is early on because by the end of the season he's going to be the stud he'll be the man that is J.D. Lewis uh, talking fantasy football with us throughout the season. J.D., we always appreciate the time, man, on the fantasy football. We will leave you alone for a while, but you know I'm not going to lose the number. Uh, best of luck getting all the fantasy stuff figured out. Uh, obviously, we are all thinking uh, about DeMar Hamlin, and uh, that is the most important focus right now. Like you said, let's hope we continue to get good news there. And uh, we'll talk with you down the road, brother. Take care. All right, guys. Y'all have a good one. Thanks. Thanks, J.D. Good stuff there. And uh, interesting, I hadn't even thought of some of those different angles, but uh, I would think, yeah, being a fantasy commissioner, just try to be as human as you can, be as understanding as you can when ultimately we are talking about this is a life and death situation. This wasn't rain or lightning or some weird weather occurrence that is creating a weird fantasy football deal. This is a 24-year-old kid fighting for his life. Do you need to ask those questions? Absolutely. You need to ask them. You need to answer them, just like the NFL's got to figure it out. It's kind of why we're discussing it this week. But you got to find the most compassionate answer you can, especially when you're talking about fantasy football money. Yeah. That's probably the right way to do it. By the way, Zay, do you know in the league that you were ultimately knocked out of, do you know what happened at the very end? And 
I lost in the championship, so that was it. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were in. Yeah, week 16. Oh, see, okay, y'all were done before. You're right. Yeah. My bad. Um, yeah, I would love to know. If, if anybody does have any sort of championship fantasy stories, um, let us know. Specs text line 337-3776. I would hope, just like with this story and the, the foundation that Hamlin set up, that maybe there's some some good humanity coming out of it. Um, that that maybe can be uh, can be celebrated there as well. So best of luck, and uh, hopefully that your fantasy seasons ended the way you needed it to, and hopefully it ended on a human level uh, after that story. All right, coming up at 105, Justin Wells inside Texas on three dot com. The basketball team losing to K State last night. Also, we'll get his thoughts on the passing of Coach Gus this uh, this past week or earlier this week. Up next in the crap bag, some football math from the bowl games. I know. I'm the old guy, but I think the math is still the same. We'll find out next on The Horn. I think I've got it. What's the title of the song? Think I'm in love. Oh. So I was right. Eddie Money. Eddie Money. There it is. There it is. Eddie Money. I think I'm in love. We all know that story. Eddie Money and Poison getting us started today. Chad and Zay on a Wednesday. We are glad you're with us. We got NFL news and notes and updates. We're still trying to clean things up from the weekend um, and also continuing to follow the story with DeMar Hamlin. Some good news overnight. Doctors are seeing some promising signs of progress. That is about all they're saying right now. He's still sedated, but they're seeing promising readings. And I've also read about oxygen levels apparently are headed in the direction they need them to go in. But beyond that, I don't think they know a whole lot right now. Again, he's still sedated. He is still out. but um, And I believe he is still considered in critical condition. So all of that is still true, but they're seeing some promising numbers. That's that's the the little bit of good news we've got today. Yeah, yeah, and that's the positive things that you want to hear. Any good news is great news, in my opinion. And, yeah, DeMar Hamlin, he's a tough guy. I, he's definitely going to make it and fight through this. Yeah. All right. So uh, now let's get to something that apparently is very difficult at times in college football, and that is counting in the crap bag. Chad's crap bag. Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just think of a bag of crap. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. You know I'm the old man when it comes to certain things, but to me, the math of football hasn't really changed over the years. And when I see coaches defy the math, it kind of freaks me out. And I'm yelling at the TV even if it's not my team. Let me give you two examples. Clemson. Now, this is, in both cases, these teams lose and it kind of gets lost in it. So it didn't really affect the game itself. But to me, the principle still exists. Clemson was down 21-6 to at one point in this game. We're talking 10 minutes left in the ball game. 
They score a touchdown, so now it is 21-12. to Let's go over it slowly without a play clock. That's 21-12. That's a nine-point differential if my math is right. Well, Dabo went for two. Now, he did get it. Let's point that out. He did get it, and he made it 21-14. But back up to the principle. He's got a nine-point deficit. Kick the extra point, and it's 21-13. That's eight points. That's one score with 10 minutes to go. One trip down the field. I know all you young folks will tell me, but Chad, this lets them see what they need. I would still respond with, but they don't need more trips. They're giving, they're making it more trips if they miss the two-point conversion. So I still don't get that one. And then we had one with Michigan. Michigan was down 34-16 late in that third quarter. They score to make it 34-12. 34-12. points, and they go for two. And guess what? They didn't get it. So they're left with a 12-point deficit. A 12-point deficit is two touchdowns. An 11-point deficit is a touchdown and a field goal. That hasn't changed. Isn't that still the truth of footballs, eh? Yeah, sounds right. I don't understand. So, if you kick the uh, the PAT there, it's 34-23, you're down 11, touchdown and a field goal. So you bring the field goal into it. I'm the old man football fan that'll tell you, when I, especially when my team is trailing, it's about two things. How many trips and what do we need in those trips to preserve the football game? That's it. And when you're down 15, I have never understood, again, like Dabo was, when you're down 15, you need a 7 and you need an 8. Don't go for the 8 first. That doesn't make sense. Go for the 7 first, get it, then you're down one score. If you go for it and fail, you're down 9. 9 is two scores. Why would you do that to yourself? I don't get it. It's like a psyche thing. In my opinion, it's, it's like attitude. it's like the pressure. I don't know. It's like if we go for it early and the flow that we're on, the defense they're not going to be on their piece of cues like they would if we were going for two down by two. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're going to two down by two, you like you got all your best guys in. You're very locked in, just sure. even more so than if you're down 15. Then it becomes what seven? I mean eight, and it becomes eight. Then it becomes eight. Yeah. To, so, me, to me, though, it's always been don't go for two unless you have to. Unless you really absolutely need to in a situation, and the, and the math truly calls for it. If I'm down five in the fourth quarter, of course I go for two. Of course, you're trying to get it to a three-point game. That's a totally different discussion. This one I have never understood, and I have fans all the time trying to explain it, but thankfully I got one fan here saying don't go for two unless you have to. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. Yeah, I, I swear for the offense – the only thing I could think about, which I completely agree with you, but going for two early down by 15 is the psyche aspect. Like, if we go for two later on in clutch time, is my team mentally tough enough to get this done in clutch time? All eyes on them, paparazzi going crazy in the yeah. stands. Like, dude, is that really going down? Or can we go for two early on where we're trying to make a comeback? We're. You know, even though we're still trying to put the pedal to the metal with the pressure offensively, we're a little more calm than what we would be in that clutch situation. I'm just trying to make it where when that team runs off the field, and I know Dabo's kicker had sucked that game. We all saw that. But this is an extra point in college, man. Chip shot. It's 19 yards. So don't give me that excuse. The kicker's not that bad. B.T. Potter or whatever his name is. 
But to me, when that team walk, runs off the field, I need to be able to tell them, fellas, we're one score away. But you could, you're making a decision that puts that in jeopardy. You're making a decision that if you miss that two-pointer, they'll all walk off the field doing the math going, wait a minute, we're still down nine. Now we got two more trips. Yeah. Now, now my defense needs two more stops, right. and my offense needs two more drives. And I did that to them. Yeah, me, the coach. Oh yeah. So Dabo did it to his guys. Would have done it to him. Technically, they did convert. So congrats there. But then ultimately, Harbaugh did that to his guys. He put his team down twelve after that failing. So he says to them, guys, it could have been a touchdown and a field goal, but I'm going to make it harder for us. Okay. I guess, Coach, you must know better than I do because you're Jim Harbaugh and you're Dabo Sweeney. Just two things I noticed in bowl games. Real quick text before we are done this hour. This says, in my fantasy league, I need a Josh Allen scored uh, 9.1 points to win the championship. Our league has not decided what to do yet. My suggestion was if the game is played, play is if the game plays, um, you play it out. If it doesn't, then we split the winnings. That seemed fair. That's what JD talked about. Yeah. Splitting the winnings. But here's somebody here. I hadn't even thought of that angle. Josh Allen's going to put up more than nine. And right. Fantasy wise, people know Josh Allen's going to have a better performance yeah. than that. So, But the doofus that's probably on the other side championship, like, what if he gets hurt early on? Yeah. Which is true. Right. Or, and, and, and JD's bringing up the scenario of what happens if a team is resting their players. Obviously, this past Monday night, nobody was resting anybody. No. And you would have gotten, you know, you get that game where we were, we were all looking for. So. By the way, in that Orange Bowl game, yeah. our guy Kay Klubnick, he looked like a freshman. Woo! Yeah, that was rough. We haven't talked about that yet, but that was rough. That was rough. We, we'll get into that at some point because we do need to be fair about what we saw there. So, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, to be fair. He's had a good season until that. Shout out to Josh Heupel and Tennessee's defense. They made my guy look like a freshman. They definitely did. But we also know that as he continues to develop, that dude can make any throw you need him to make. He just needs to mature. Yeah. I mean, we're talking true freshman, and he did not get a full season of opportunity. No. He didn't because Dabo couldn't make – Dabo was unable – to pull the trigger the way he did with the Lawrence situation. Right. If and he had been, I think Klubnik's different in that bowl game. I agree. And plus all that time that Tennessee had to prepare for him, even though there might not be as much film as there is on DJU, there is enough. There is enough to break it down and say, oh, yeah, we could definitely affect this guy. Yeah, no doubt. That game was good for a little while, but you could tell for from the beginning. And then when the Clemson kicker couldn't hit a thing, he could have kept him kind of in that game. Yeah, He's a on, stud kicker, and he just kept missing all over the place. All right, coming up, your 1 o'clock hour. We'll start with Justin Wells of Inside Texas. Talk some Longhorn basketball. Maybe get a thought on Coach Gus as well. Plus, Justin is a Cowboys fan. How's he feeling about the Cowboys headed into the Washington game? We got an update on that. Guess who Washington's going back to at quarterback? Zay's a little upset. He'll try not to swear coming up on the Horn.